Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Nice to see you. Good morning. Our guests today are Cade Metz, New York Times reporter and author of the new book, Genius Makers, The Mavericks Who Brought AI to Google, Facebook, and the World. Thanks for joining us, Cade. Glad to be here. Thank you. So nice to have you, Cade. Really an honor for us. And Ken Pyle, managing editor of Viotti View and Viotti TV. Good to see you again, Ken. Good morning, all, and I'm looking forward to looking, reading the book. Me, me too. Uh, sorry, Cade. <laughs> and I need to read it. <laughs> I've waded into it a bit already, but it, it's great stuff. Yeah, the first Ken, chapter is very engaging. Ken, Good to hear. Ken, you're based in, in San Jose and so involved in transportation there. And the community, I'm sure, is in shock at the horrific mass shooting at the light rail yard yesterday. Wanted to get into that just a little bit first. Nine people killed co-workers of the gunman who took his own life. Uh, there's not much you can say almost. With, with no, it's, again. it doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm somewhat familiar with that area. I used to live about a half mile from there. And, and just I, uh, my heart goes out to all the victims and their families and friends. It's, it shouldn't happen. Right. Our, our condolences to all of those who were affected. Same here. Well, Kate, uh, we want to turn to you. First, congratulations on Genius Makers, the Mavericks who brought AI to Google, Facebook, and the world. The number one new release in the computer and technology biographies category on Amazon. Congrats there. Thank you. And we're going to come back to that, but we're leading off with your piece published in the New York Times this week. Headline, the costly pursuit of self-driving cars continues on and on and on. And you start out talking about distractions that have caused problems for driverless cars, different kinds of distractions than we human drivers face. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moment for the self-driving car industry that we felt needed to be documented. Um, there's been so much hype in this area over more than a decade. And I've felt for a long time that that hype really gave the average person um, a skewed view of what was really going on. Um, this is an incredibly hard thing to do. And I feel like that even some people in the industry don't realize how hard it is um, and, and how difficult it, it may be to, to, to make these, these types of cars commonplace. Meanwhile, over this decade, tens of billions of dollars have been spent um, and recently, as sort of that hype meets the reality, right, at the physics of the everyday world, we've seen a real consolidation. Uh, Uber and Lyft offloaded their self-driving car units, the units that were uh, actively working to build this technology. You know, they've got other things to deal with um, during the pandemic and just trying to, to get their bottom line in order. Three prominent startups have sold themselves to, to, to players with much deeper pockets. So you're seeing this whole industry consolidate around basically the big tech companies, the big car makers, um, a few other players who have just the massive amounts of money and talent 
um, and wherewithal that are, that are needed to really get this on the road? Well, when we talk about where we are today, the assessment that, that you're making here, what's, what's the summation here? What do you tell your readers, the public? Well, let's, let's start with this service that Google has actually launched in Arizona. Um, that's gotten a lot of, ten, of attention um, in, various, in various places. You know, Waymo, um, which is you know, a spinoff of the Google self-driving car project, Last year, they announced that they officially launched this fully self-driving service, as they call it, in the suburbs of Phoenix. Um, and I've, you know, been down there and spent some time, you know, reporting stories in and around this, this service that they were building. You know, even that was delayed for years. They said that was going to happen um, in 2017. It didn't happen. It, you know, it, it stretched all the way, you know, to last year. Even then... People need to understand that the roads in suburban Phoenix are very different than the roads elsewhere in the country in a lot of ways, right? That the, the roads are wide. There are a few pedestrians. Uh, the weather is good. Uh, there's very little rain uh, and snow, if any. Um, the conditions are perfect for that sort of thing. Um, the other thing you have to realize is that you know, this is a, a relatively small area that Google has spent years mapping and remapping um, and, and you know, honing the technology for that particular location. And that's what the technology requires today. Um, you need this, you know, just like detailed understanding of that particular environment. Technology doesn't necessarily translate instantly to other places in the world. You're gonna have to do that same sort of mapping and that same sort of testing um, in other places. We don't have a technology that you can instantly put into the real world and have it work. Um, people love to talk about artificial intelligence and, and the gains of the past few years. And there, there have been gains that we can talk about. Um, but putting technology into the physical world um, is just inordinately difficult, right? The, the world is chaotic. It's full of uncertainty. We as humans um, deal with that, that chaos, that uncertainty by second nature. Um, that's how we're built. You put a machine um, into that uncertainty, um, that, that's a very, very different prospect. Um, you know, systems are good at dealing with what they've seen before, but not with what they haven't seen. And that's the gap, right? You can put someone in a self-driving car it can take them, um, you know, on, on a on a you know a route that's that's expected, but once you get into what they call those edge cases um, uh, that the system hasn't seen before, that don't come up that often, that's that's what we're still trying to deal with, and that can take years, if not decades, um, to really smooth out all those edge cases. So, uh, Kate, I, what I found was <clears throat> really valuable of what you did with your article in the New York Times. And since I get the New York Times delivered every morning and so on, I had my coffee, what was it, yesterday or whenever it hit <clears throat> in the paper. I, my goodness, then my phone starts ringing off the hook or whatever. But it, it, I think it's really important that you bring out all those things because, of course, there has been this enormous hype on on this and in some sense you know i i i blame it on 
I don't blame it on, on Waymo. I blame it on a, a look at the market. The question is, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to, you know, do some great technological thing that in fact you'll show works and then you'll stick it up on, you know, some bookshelf someplace and get tenure at Princeton or something? Who cares? Okay. I mean, the issue is, is what are they trying to do? I've, I've argued that I think it's great that Waymo is in Chandler doing the easy thing. And I sort of tell my students, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, GM at one point thought that they'd, they'd be Frank Sinatra and go into Manhattan. I think they lasted there, what, 12 seconds or something right. like that. I mean, you couldn't, they, they came out, we're going to do this in Manhattan. They said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I mean, it was, they were out. I mean, you, you it, it'd be great if you can do it for the hardest case and you can be Frank Sinatra and therefore you can do it anywhere. Okay, great, wonderful. Uh, but, but, you know, this is tough and, and it, you better start doing it someplace. And in some sense, uh, you know, I applaud uh, Waymo for being in Chandler and I applaud them for being careful Okay, if, if there's one thing that maybe Uber didn't do is they got a little bit ahead of themselves and what that do, oh my goodness, you know, they were disregarding stationary objects ahead that they saw six seconds before they hit them. I mean, come on, kids, you know, and, 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 and why this is ending up needing the deep pockets is you can't afford to have another uh, you know, incident, like an uh, incident, you know, Lane Herzberg got killed, you know, I mean, you know, we can't do this. And, and so in a sense, all those that were out there, you know, trying to do this, not necessarily on a shoestring, but trying to do it, you know, oh my goodness, this is easy. It may be good that they're not there anymore because they're not going to be able to deal with that. They may not be able to deal with that uncertainty. So that's really good. And I think to me, the other one that, 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 that's been missing is that in the beginning, and I blame the Society of, of Automotive Engineers, and I won't bring you in on that one, but, but, uh, but you know, they came out with these levels and this level five, we're going to be driverless everywhere. And, you know, car company is going to sell me one of these things. And, and this thing's going to, like I say, sit outside my window like a little puppy dog and go get stuff for me and bring it back. Or I can go send it to you and it will take you someplace. And, right. and putting all this stuff in our minds and the Sunday supplements, yours didn't appear in the Sunday supplement. It appeared in the business Right. section and that's where it deserves to be so the question is what business are you in are you in the business of letting me take my hands off the wheel and feed off the off the pedals every once in a while only in the places where i'm driving where it's well, well mapped the way gm has come out with their systems and in the ct6 great but don't think you can take me from the watering hole to my bedroom you know and i can have another drink and be because I have to be in there helping the damn thing. Right. Okay. So that's the one market, which is great for the auto industry. As I've said, you know, it's more, it's more um, chrome and fins, you know, Hey, sell us stuff. Great. Wonderful. You know, put an EV in there too, whatever. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm happy. The other is moving people. Okay. The other is, you know, for those that, 
don't necessarily want that, you know, which is what I think Waymo is trying to do in Chandler. The problem is Chandler, if you, is not the right market. It's not the business section. Why? Essentially, everybody in Chandler has has at least two cars. You don't move to Chandler. and You can't live in Chandler unless you have probably, look at the household auto ownership statistics, you know, 2% of the households don't have cars. You go to right. Trenton, New Jersey, you know, there are 70% of the households have one or less. You have two right. people who try to make 15 bucks an hour to put enough food on their table to survive, you know, they've, they've got to have they're going to probably different who's providing them with the mobility to do that. And, you know, that's to me where I think the business case for this and the societal case, social case, the social value case of this thing is, and unfortunately, I don't know, not enough in the end of it. They're out there trying to do it. Chandler, it's, it's, it's a toy to Chandler, Chandlerinian. What's the right way to say that? Chandlerinians? Right. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. but you, you've underlined yeah. the point that, you know, that I wanted to make. Yeah, there. Right. They're I, there for technical reasons. Yes. They're not there for business reasons. Right. And, and you're right. In these areas where uh, a, a ride hailing service that is autonomous could help, you know, the technology is not there yet. And, and this argument that you discuss where people say, you know, we make, we make this work in these really difficult scenarios like a New York or, or a San Francisco where, where Waymo is now testing, you see them all the time, Cruise, um, yeah, you yeah. Know, which is, you know, a venture from GM, they're testing, right. that's their argument, particularly GM. They love to say that once we get it working there, it's so difficult, then it will spread. That's not necessarily true. Again, this is going to, this is going to spread to very particular geographies slowly. Um, uh, that's what we're going to see. The rollout is going to be over over decades. And it's not going to be, you know, the, the thing suddenly starts to work and then it's everywhere. Yeah, of, of, well, that doesn't happen to anything. Even, even these things didn't get everywhere instantaneously right i mean there was nokia out there with a the little and 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 whatever with the flip phony and you know i mean yeah and then finally do 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 and then you know and and i always like to point to frank sprague with the electric trolley okay you know there are like 74 attempts to do electric trolley in the, in the 1880s or something like that and he finally shows up in in richmond and makes it work and all of a sudden, because it works, and what it meant is that it was good enough to beat the horse and buggy, the, the, you know, to, to have a market associated with it, you know, to, to actually have people say, hey, yeah, you know, it's not perfect and stuff, but holy hell, it's good enough for, it's, it's better than what I have. To make it better than what the people in Chandler have, man, that's also tough because they have those two car whatever aren't there just waiting whereas in places as i like to argue in places like trenton new jersey you have a lot of folks who you know the way they can get there is by walking they really or you know wait for new jersey transit bus i'm not allowed to say anything bad about new jersey's <laughs> transit so excuse me a little bit but, but you know i mean yeah you know it's a half hour service just going to certain places and it, heaven forbid you need to go at two o'clock in the morning i mean you're done 
hey, a good thing Uber and Lyft are out there that, you know, I'll, I'll spend the, the, the dinner money on them because I need to go there. And, you know, that's a, that's a, where these things could be out there. Hey, if it, they do it, at least that's what I focus, try to focus on is making it affordable for folks who don't, you know, and that's where right. we should work to make this work. Well, you're right. But, you know, we're not there yet. We're, and, we're not. Right. And the other so the other point that I, I want to make that may help people yep. understand, you know, why you get these promises that are not kept. Right. We we were promised these cars by 2019 and then 2020 and 2021. Uh, they're not here, obviously. The way that Silicon Valley works is you make promises like that because you have to. That's the way that you attract the money and you attract the talent. And that's why there's that level of hype. That's why things get so out of whack. And we're still in that stage where that's what these companies have to do. They've got to continue to attract these enormous amounts of money to get the technology working. And um, you know, I think that that's something that people who aren't immersed in this very different world out here in Silicon Valley, where I live and, you know, where I'm running around constantly looking for stories, the mindset is so different. They're not thinking about Trenton, New Jersey, and how they can help these people um, uh, get around. They're thinking about how can I raise the funds and attract the people to make this technology work someday? And this is what I have to do. I have to overpromise at the moment. Some people, you know, are conscious of that. Some people do it unconsciously, but that's, that's the mindset. How do we change that? Or how do we educate? I mean, a lot of them are my students coming out of here, out of Princeton. Damn it. We should be educating them better. Okay. I mean, we should, you know, um, uh, talk to me here. <laughs> it, it's hard, right? So someone like Elon Musk um, has such a megaphone and this is the way he talks and people take it at face value. What I do think we need to do is, is, is talk like we're talking now, um, write stories like I, like I published this week and, and really look at the reality of things. Um, otherwise in the long term, you're really doing a disservice to people um, for many reasons. Um, you, know, you talk about the dangers of this, um, but you know, overinflated expectations can cause you know economic problems. Um, you know, we need we need to the best we can stick with reality. It's becoming yeah. harder and harder for us as a society to do. You know, but um, but we really do need to do that, and and that's why you know at the times we think our role is important is to you know as Elon Musk is saying these things, he's promised fully self-driving as he calls as he calls it since 2015 right yeah, yeah. it's I always a year or two away um and you know we need to step back from these claims and really talk about um what's going on gonna yeah, disappoint I mean, a lot of people who put up ten thousand uh, dollars <laughs> yeah. exactly do you guys get a sense do you talk to people about that like how well, many people well, have um have well, I mean, that and paid they, that money? well, I guess they have, but they, I guess, you know, my view of it, maybe it's worth $10,000. Maybe he doesn't have to hype it. It is, it is kind of nice at times to be able to take your hands off the wheel, feed off the brakes and have it do it for you when the thing 
in the places where it really works, where you're not in the corner cases or the, the probability that something is going to happen. I mean, these things can see out in front of them. They can, as we drive, just as we drive, see where it's easy. If we're paying attention, we know when it's hard. We sit there and we intensely watch it. Now we get ourselves in trouble when you know we don't intensely watch when it's when it's hard, and that's where right. we get in trouble. But right, but there there's two things going on here, right? There there and and you alluded to this before. There's there are systems like autopilot on Tesla, which are designed for highway driving, keep you in the lane. You know they can do lane change that kind of thing. That if there's a car in front of you, they can they can stop. That's one thing. And then you had this other thing that's being promised, fully yeah. self-driving, okay? Yeah. That is something very, very different that we do not have yet. And so there's that, there's that gap and people conflate the two in their minds. And, and, I, and I understand that. It's hard, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around what is really going on. Right. I mean, when he came out with smart summon, I immediately called it stupid summon. I mean, you know, you know, okay, I'm going to, it comes out of my driveway or it comes out of my garage. And that's kind of nice because I have a tight garage. Da, 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 da. Then what am I going to do with it? I'm going to say, hey, it can go over your house across the street, or I can be in a Costco and it can come get my groceries and all. And it can't do those things. Okay. And probably if you go to the damn fine print, it says, you know, you're only allowed to do this on your own property. Da, 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 da. Costco would go nuts. They have to get insurance to be able to protect against me with my stupid summons, whatever. And yeah, exactly the point you're trying to make. I mean, we, we need, you need, you have the megaphone, you have the opportunity there at the New York Times to really just say, look, Let's let's try to understand the real value. There is potentially real value in this technology. One, it makes it much more comfortable, easy. And if I sort of misbehave in using my car, it comes out and it bails me out. That may be worth 10,000 bucks, okay? The other one is it can take me from the watering hole to my to my home the whole way it can take me to a job a 15 dollar an hour job at the amazon distribution center that of course new jersey transit doesn't serve because it's out next to the the, the new jersey turnpike and what used to be a cornfield of course it doesn't go there you know these are fundamentally valuable propositions out of this technology and unfortunately they're not being presented that or except for you i mean and, and that's well, why I we, will we say so part, appreciate part of what is you know going on in my story is that the industry slowly is starting to talk in more realistic terms uh, there's a there's a guy quoted in my story his name is chris ermson um, of course i love chris you know, yeah he's a great guy yeah, yeah, i like great, chris yeah, a lot. absolutely absolutely you know, and, you know, as part of that Silicon Valley hype cycle, at one point he said, you know, his children would never have a driver's license. Right. You know, and, and, and now in my story, you know, he's, you know, he's saying this is a transformation. This is going to, it's going to happen over the course of 30 years or longer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so you'll see these, these small pockets, you know, might be geographic um, pockets where this is rolled out, or it might be, you know, particular types of vehicles. Right. Chris, you know, is focused after years of talking about the type of ride hailing service we've been discussing in Arizona, he's now shifted towards long haul trucks, 
which he sees, you know, as as a as in some ways um, an easier problem to deal with, right? Um, you know, it may not be as easy as uh, um, as he lets on, and as some people think, that is incredibly difficult as well. Even that sort of driving, just because these trucks are so large, and because they do deal with that uncertainty and chaos, just like a car in an urban area. Yeah, but the thing that that Chris is developing, which can be really valuable. To, to the class eights and the long haul truckers is to improve the working condition of those poor truckers. I mean, I call them poor truck. Can you, I, I mean, I can't imagine having to pay attention to two white lines for 10 hours a day to feed my family. Okay. I mean, th- uh, so you let the system be there helping this person. Let them, that person relax a little bit. Maybe also allowing that person to get another hour of service out of there so that they can feed their family better. Not to necessarily pull them out. The stuff that's in the truck behind me is a, is a very valuable commodity. The person that's having that haul probably would appreciate having someone look over it comfortably, whatever, maybe be doing also a little something else or whatever during that time but but having so to me chris's technology can almost go in and do that part of it and every fleet owner manager whatever should be buying that stuff you know it costs them at least at least 10 if not fifteen thousand bucks per truck per year you know in liability charges Okay, that's, and who knows about the wear and tear on the poor employee that you have in there doing this. OSHA should be in there, you know, saying, look, I mean, this is worse than the meatpacking industry, or I don't know which is that. The truck drivers aren't easy to find today from what I know. That's another great point, right? Yeah, and and that's the other great, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, and that's actually what, I mean, Chris is working towards taking the driver out of there, right? And, you know, that's going to take some time, but, and, and Fred, you know, and that that is a real issue that people may not understand is that the number of truck drivers is shrinking uh, as we need more and more of them. Right. You all you have to do is see these Amazon trucks, you know, you know speeding <laughs> down the highway everywhere to realize that you know, there, there's demand there. Um, and at the same time, it's hard to meet that demand um, with the drivers. And so that's that's sort of the dream. And it still is a dream is that we're going to get these these self-driving trucks. Now, we'll see what happens. But if if we make if we make that job a nicer job, a better paying job because you can actually productively do another hour of service and so on, and it's not so stressful on your on your fundamental life and doing it, maybe more people would want to do it. You know, you, you, you think in very practical ways and speak in very practical ways. You, you clearly do not live in Silicon Valley. I do not. I, <laughs> Kate, I, let me ask I, you I, this. You've been talking about. Uh, 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 Ken, Ken's pretty close. Yeah, uh, yeah, Kate, yeah. Let, me, let me ask you this, Kate. Uh, you've been talking about Amazon. What role might Amazon wind up playing here and that other A company, the little one called Apple? Right. Well, um, you know, Amazon is a, is an interesting case. You know, there I mentioned three big startups being acquired recently. So over the past year, 
Um, you know, one self-driving uh, self-driving truck company um, was acquired. Um, uh, we've seen another acquisition just recently, but the the big one was this company Zooks, which is doing more of a you know of a car. Um, you know, more of a personal vehicle intended for kind of the ride hailing setup. They were acquired by Amazon. Um, you know, it was a little bit strange, um, you know, at the moment, because, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the, the big use case for Amazon is, are the trucks, right? And um, certainly, you know, they're going to be moving in that direction at some point, but they acquired this, this company that's doing more of the ride hailing thing. And it was, and it moved into kind of their, you know, the consumer end of their business. Um, so, you know, we'll see what, what they're going to do with that. But I think ultimately that's where the real value would be for Amazon. I mean, that's, you know, I've always said that's the, the, the real strength of Amazon is this net transportation network that they've built, right? When it comes to these trucks and the vans that you see now delivering packages, um, airplanes, um, it, you know, they, and they're of course working on on drones for delivery. That's another thing we haven't talked about is you know, these types of technologies can be used for that last mile delivery, as they say. That's also an enormously hard problem. But all those things um, you know play into Amazon's core business, and that's going to be of interest for them. Um, well, they also, I will say, last thing on Amazon, yeah. they do take a a more practical and realistic view of this stuff than some of these other companies. They don't make these public claims. Um, they do, you know, um, take take those claims with, with, a, with a grain of salt. Um, and, and they keep quiet while working on this type of stuff. Yeah. They don't have to tell anybody because they're doing it for their own account. Right. They've justified it internally. I don't know. They might be hyping it internally for all we know to be able to get the proper allocations of whatever is to make those things happen. But the, the way I took the Zeus case, I just, I just thought it was brilliant. And, and the brilliance to me is, is if you really want to do the driverless piece in neighborhoods, when do you want to do it? Between midnight and 5 a.m. There are no kids in the street chasing balls. There are no bicyclists, give or take. There's nobody else using it. The infrastructure for your mobility system is free. When can they deliver stuff to my front door? Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a Silicon Valley guy. I need it in two minutes, okay? Maybe for 50% of my home deliveries, it has to be in two minutes, two hours, whatever, right. Silicon Valley type. For the other 50%, next morning, right. I'm like the happiest camper in the world. There you go. Now you take your Rivian electric whatever that you decided to buy a bunch of right. and you take Chris Armson's stuff and you put it or Zook's stuff right. and you put it on top of it. Now out of the Robbinsville distribution center over here, half of your stuff can be delivered to Princeton, etc. Between Absolutely. But whatever it's right. free. It, it's almost, it's almost free. It's not just free shipping. It almost comes up. I don't have to manage a person. I don't have to do whatever. I probably have to put a box out front. To, 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 I have to deal with some of that stuff. But right. I don't know. Talk to me here, Kate. No, you know, I, I, I like that you bring this up because this is another area that might seem easy. And, yeah. and you're right. The, the business, 
the, you know, the business case makes sense, but it is also incredibly difficult. Incredibly. For anyone who's been watching, you know, you know, you know, NBA basketball recently, you now see these ads constantly for Domino's Pizza, um, who has they've got a new deal with this self-driving uh, company called Neuro. Um, yeah. The president, Dave Fergus, is another guy I know well and really like. Yeah, he used yeah, to yeah. work with Chris Urmson at, yeah. you know, on the Google self-driving car project. And this is what he's doing, his last mile delivery. You watch these TV ads and it looks like these you know, robotic cars are everywhere delivering pizzas. They're in this tiny, tiny neighborhood in Houston. It's unclear if these these robotic cars are supported by you know uh, spotter cars right who are going to deal with any problems that arise and you know i hope they are in case a problem arises yeah i mean but i'm just saying the reality is very different from the commercials and then even if you get the technology to the point where you can expand it into, into larger areas um, it might work okay if you're delivering groceries someone comes out of the house they grab the groceries they grab the pizza the yeah. Amazon case, who's going to take the stuff out of the car, yeah. right, and, and walk it up the steps, you know, is that automated? That's an entirely different task. There's so many of these the last, problems to, to, to be done. The, the last 50 feet end up being the challenge there. Now, whether or not we have a different kind of mailbox, mailbox, Amazon box, I, I don't know. But And there are some folks working on those uh, on those other ancillaries. My only point with respect to, you know, between between midnight and 5, and 5 a.m., we have all this experience enormous infrastructure that we built the roads spent i don't know talk about money being spent we've spent it it is essentially dormant between those times and 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 one would i i don't know there are opportunities there when it it is some might suggest i suggest substantially easier to be able to do this thing there again trying to find the chandler of this thing as opposed to the manhattan of this thing right. <laughs> you know and the, the right. frank sinatra of this thing right. you know the, to 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 start delivering some value right and 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 certain yeah you're you're right and uh, absolutely but the, yeah. the other the point I want to keep underlining is that even yeah. in those areas where everything seems to make the most sense and it seems the easiest there the unexpected can come up and this is a this is a, a small anecdote but it's I think it's it's illustrative neuro um, that uh, company I was talking about that does that last mile delivery they are also or they were at one point they were also in the same area of Arizona where Waymo's testing and I went down there to do a story on them. Um, you know, they have, they're, they're like half size cars, no driver in it. Right. And they just deliver the groceries or the pizza, whatever else. So, you know, I'm taking a look at at these, I arranged for it to, uh, to make a delivery to a home, you know, not that far from a grocery store in the area, right. It's just sort of a test case, but I, you know, um, I, you know, I wanted to walk through the whole process. The, the, the robot car arrives, you know, these doors pop up like this. And I lean down to take the groceries out and I'm about six, two. So, you know, I'm tall, I'm not super tall, bang my head on the door. Right. So anyone, anyone who's going to do this, who's my height, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. They did, they did this they, with the New York times reporter. I mean, that, this must've been the worst day in her life. <laughs> you know, when it, 
you know, what it shows is there are these little things in the real world that are unexpected. They, by the way, the new version no longer has that problem. They redesigned the doors. Okay? And that's just one like tiny, tiny thing, right? But there are so many tiny things. Yeah. There, there's, I allude to it in the, the story I published in the Times this week, but for years, uh, this is fascinating to me, Waymo's cars, their brakes would get twitchy in the spring. They didn't realize this um, until what, you know one spring when it was noticeable and somebody figured out that every spring when you know the leaves grow a little bit longer on the trees, the grass grows longer, the vegetation is sort of spilling out you know, into the field of view of the cars, the brakes would get twitchy, right? Again, it's a, that's a small, strange thing, but it's, it's unexpected. They had to adjust for that, right? Um, make sure the brakes don't get twitchy when, you know, when the grass is longer. Um, you know, they, we talk about long haul trucking and it would seem easier to go down a highway. Um, the th problem Waymo ran into is what happens when there's construction, they get those road flares and, you know, how do you, you know, how do you recognize all that stuff, much less respond to it? Um, you know, there's so many other um, just tiny things that have to be done. Yeah, in, in, the, in the trucking to try to help a trucker, I, 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 I'm not a professional driver, but, you know, if they have to pass somebody, they basically accelerate behind them and then scoot around, okay? Probably, you know, whatever time to collision computation that goes on in there with these things probably says, oh, my goodness, uh, I better start applying the brakes. So it won't really let them do, you know, which if you're a professional driver, you know, you know you, you're in control there. You know, you've looked, you, you can you can't swerve, you intend to swerve, you assume your your steering wheel is going to turn and all that stuff. But whether or not now the system is, you have to make the system smart enough to realize that that is what is going on. So you don't go in there and intervene in those kind of process, even if you're doing this, you're absolutely correct. And, and, and I'm, I'm, that's why I was so thrilled that you're bringing some of these things out. You have the opportunity to, to, to change the mindset on these things. And, and, and I think it's very important that we, work on some of the Monday. Hey, we need good paint out there. The good paint that has that helps us drive better. But you know, if the DOTs aren't willing to go out there and put good paint, I mean, we're, you know, this stuff isn't going to work. And we don't want, you know, implants of whatever of gizmos. How about stuff that works for us? And let, you know, let let's do a good job there. Yes. Well, uh, we, we have to break in just a minute, but I know Ken has been wanting to jump in here, so I want yeah, to get him. Yeah. No, I was just going to say two real quick things. The operational design domain is something you guys haven't talked too much about, and I liken it to kind of the cable franchise days. And the other thing, Alan, you kind of allude to this whole idea of 24-7 helping deliver packages, but it could also help for the mobility for the people who need mobility to get to those Amazon warehouse jobs at two in the morning, right? Because there's no public transit operating at two in the morning, for instance, right? So I think there's lots of opportunities and, you know, to help in that regard. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, and I think uh, uh, what Kate has been talking about is really the operational design domain, which is never, I mean, hopefully that, you know, those of us that deal with the, with the, 
technology piece of it, you know, fully realize that. But the Sunday supplements that come out or the or the promos made to the investment community makes it seem like the operational design domain is, you know, we want to make it so it can go through fog and deep snow. I mean, come on, holy mackerel, uh, be able to operate in 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 Arizona or you know, and maybe Trenton next or someplace. You know, forget about. Hey, if there's fog, stop. Okay, don't be stupid. (laughs) If there's snow this deep, you know, don't go. I mean, they they close I-70 and don't let you go up to the 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 Eisenhower Tunnel when there's snow that deep. I mean, you know, get real. (laughs) In in one minute, Kate, let me let me uh, the company the the other company I asked about didn't get into Apple. Uh, do you have any sense of what, the, I mean, they're laying people off and then they're hiring people to, to work on this stuff. What's going on? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a strange thing. Um, they've, they've had on some level, um, you know, a project for years and years and years, but, and you're right, you'll see it sort of ebb and flow. Um, and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll lay people off. Then they'll sort of acquire the remains of a company. There's a company called drive AI, which was doing some interesting work in this area. You know, they ran out of money and, uh, for the, for the most part and, uh, and kind of the remains of the company was acquired by Apple. Uh, we keep hearing stuff about, about, uh, projects. So they're keeping a toe in it. Right. Um, you know, again, I think that they're practical. They know that this is going to happen eventually, um, and um, it, 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 it's something they want want to make sure they at least keep an eye on. Um, but they're not going full steam, it seems. They're um, not going to pop out of a cake with a with a self driving vehicle. No, no one is. So that's that's the point here. No, <laughs> no one's going to pop out of the cake, and suddenly they've got it, and no one else does. Right? Um, we, we're all dealing with the same laws of physics, um, so you know, um, everyone is going to continue to work on this. Um, you're going to see, I think, you know, maybe in San Francisco, you know, some, some, some services that are kind of like the one in, in Chandler where they're, the problem is constrained. Um, you know, they're in these very small areas that have been, been, been digitally mapped to death, right. So to speak. Um, and then we'll expand there and, and we'll see how it goes and more years will pass and we'll we all come together and we'll talk about like how a little bit has happened, but then not as much as a lot of people said. Well, we'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, read the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions. ETFs, as you may know, can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of the Smart Driving Cars podcast and our guests, Cade Metz and Ken Pyle. Cade, your new book, Genius Makers, The Mavericks Who Brought AI to Google, Facebook, and the World, takes a, a fascinating look at the origins of this technology. Maybe you can give our, our listeners and viewers kind of the, the quick synopsis, the little overview here. 
basically, you know, there, there's a single idea that is driving a lot of the, you know, the technological change and what people call artificial intelligence, right? We've had all this hype over the past decade. If you scrape away the hype, you know, there are certain areas where the technology is really improving. Um, the ability um, of the technology to recognize objects and images, right? So face recognition. You see this on Facebook where um, the service can automatically recognize people's faces in the photos you post to the service. Or uh, digital assistants like Siri, where you can speak, um, you know, commands and, and it can recognize uh, those commands. Uh, translation services like Google Translate or Skype, which are getting so good at translating between languages. If you haven't used these um, recently, they are far, far better than they were just a few years ago. All of that and more um, is driven by the rise of this single idea. It's called a neural network. And it's essentially a system that can learn uh, specific skills by analyzing vast amounts of data. So the idea I always give is, you know, if, if you have a neural network and you feed it thousands of cat photos, it analyzes those photos and it looks for the patterns that define what a cat looks like. And in that way, it learns to recognize a cat. Um, that same idea is what drives Siri and that speech recognition. You feed thousands of hours of spoken words into a neural network and it identifies the patterns that identify, that, that identify those words. And that's how it learns to recognize what you say. Same thing with Google Translate. My book is about this, this small group of people who uh, nurtured, it's a very old idea. They nurtured this idea over decades. Most people thought it wouldn't work. Um, and then suddenly about 10 years ago, it started to work. Basically- now You started out in the fifties, right? Exactly. There, and you know, there, with this guy named Frank Rosenblatt, who actually gave an interview to my paper, the New York Times about how this idea was going to, you know, you know, not only recognize, um, you know, objects and images, but uh, learn to speak for itself and, um, uh, and build itself on an assembly line and do all these other things, fly into space and do who knows what. And, um, you know, eventually, um, you know, because there was such hype, you know, we, we talk about how this goes on today, it went on in the, in the 50s and 60s, there was so much hype, People lost faith in the idea and it didn't do the things that they thought it would do. And, you know, except for this tiny group of people, it was an idea that most did not believe in, even in the AI community. Um, and it sort of ebbed and flowed, you know, over the decades. There were moments in the 80s when people, um, you know, had more hope that this would start working and then it never did. About 10 years ago, we finally had the the amount of data we needed and the amount of computer processing power we needed to analyze all that data that allowed this idea to work. And then, you know, those people, you know, who are at the heart of my book were suddenly sucked into the biggest companies on earth, right? Google and Facebook and uh, Baidu in China and Microsoft. And my book is about these people who are incredibly interesting individuals um, and about how they nurtured this idea. And then how, once they arrived in industry, um, that the ideals um, that, they, that, that they personally harbored um, for this technology ran into these, the, the aims of these very large companies you know, who are driven by the profit motive, among other things. And so it's about, sort of about the clash 
between these idealists um, and these companies. But it goes into all this stuff, you know, we've been talking about. You know, this this idea helps self-driving cars see the world around them, right? This is how a self-driving car recognizes pedestrians or street signs or, or, or lane markings. Um, and, you know, there's hope that it can help um, self-driving cars, you know, better understand how to respond to that and make predictions. That's, that's where it gets a bit more difficult, but this is, this is why a self-driving car can identify what's going on around it. What, what, what I've really liked about it and why I've played in it and so on is, is because, you know, it's fundamentals seem to go to the fundamentals of what we have going on up here. You know, if we really try to figure out how in the heck we take whatever, you know, let's just take the eyes, comes into the eyes. I mean, if you go there through the you know, structure of the, of the retina and so on, holy hell, I mean, that's differentiating data. I mean, that's taking gradients and stuff and comparing. And, and you know, why is it so important that we, that edges are so important because of the very, I mean, that, that's what's taking place damn retina and then just a little bit of it gets passed down through the optic nerves the back here of the visual cortex and somehow the hold right. on you know and 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 bringing really bringing those pieces together and and now realizing that the computational structure that you need for these things is non-trivial the the addressable memory that you have to have because in some sense the dimensions of these things are so large that all of a sudden, once these, it, it used to be thought to be NP complete. In other words, oh my goodness, you know, we don't have enough to do it. Then all of a sudden, these aren't, you know, computing things all of a sudden could do it. You know, NVIDIA shows up or Silicon Graphics shows up or the other folks show up. I mean, we can actually do, I mean, let's go play and then, you know, and, and create it. And, and it's, 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 it seems to me, it's always seemed to me that there are fundamentals there that we, sh we should be able to get right because, because we end up being able to do this or, or my goodness, a, a flea flying around in, in my office here doesn't go crashing into the, into the, into the wall how do they do collision avoidance i mean they, they have like two neurons i say two they have more than two neurons up there but you know i mean you know compared to what i have here to do and i can't even go like that because it, right. it knows I, I mean are you cut it out what's going on with that computational machine right. that's in right. there doing that and so right. you know i think that's been inspiration for as you found, you know, that's, that's what, you yeah. know, that's what you see in the book is that this idea yeah. of a neural network, the reason it's called a neural network yeah. is it's inspired by the way the brain is built, right? The, right, right. It's to mimic the web of neurons in the brain. And that's the general idea. Um, and by no means, we do not have <laughs> systems that, that, that behave like the brain today. You know, the brain is, is, is far too <laughs> complex, even for us to understand how it works. You know, we do not even know how it works yet. So, Duplicating that is quite a task, but that's the inspiration. Um, we, we have cicadas. We're being attacked by cicadas. The 17th year of the cicadas, right. you know, and I'm sitting yesterday afternoon with my next door neighbor in the back. Maybe we might've had a glass of wine or something. I don't, we're wondering, how the hell do they know it's been 17 years? <laughs> I mean, what the heck is going on 
there. Right. Okay. I mean, not six, seven. They're they're like in the ground and whatever. And so I mean, you know, so there's an there's an there's intelligence there that's going. I mean, it's 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 right. a process that's leading to a to an output. <laughs> and you're right, know. it's a mysterious thing. Mysterious <laughs> yeah, thing. it is. And so how we do do things in here. I mean, can you imagine in neurons the synapse? I mean, it's not just on off i mean they're like frequencies and stuff and the do's and i mean you get in there and you know holy hell i mean jesus so so people should remember that someone is claiming that artificial intelligence is here um and it's going to do x (laughs) y and z and you 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 automatically because i think it's because of decades of you know science fiction films and books we hear that term when people say artificial intelligence will do this, we automatically assume that it behaves like us, and it just doesn't. And <laughs> it's inspired by what we do. Um, yeah, absolutely. But we don't understand uh, the way the way our brain is able to do all the amazing things that it does. And so, you know, the hope is that we can learn from the brain and build better machines. And maybe as we build, you know, machines that behave more like the brain, that might give us a better understanding of the of the brain. So there's this sort of cyclical yeah, oh thing yeah, that oh people yeah. in my book really believe in. Yeah. And to a certain extent that that happens, but we're still not to the point where we can <laughs> we can duplicate that thing inside our head. Well, Jan, Jan LeCun uh, has been one of the people you've had at your yeah, uh, yeah, Smart yeah, Driving yeah. Car Summit. Yeah, yeah. Jan's been there and, you know. And we, he is in the book. Yeah, he's in the book. <laughs> Jan's, Jan's great. I, Jan, I mean, in a sense, it, it's it, it's amazing the resources that he's been given at Facebook. I mean, you know, I, I, Jan, what's he have? Like, you know, I don't know, 60 PhDs or 100 PhDs and whatever. And, and right. not, you know, I mean, he, he has, he, he's, and, and they've made enormous progress. But, you know, as, as we all realize, you know, some of the things that they would like to do with this thing, like, you know, figuring out what's truth in Facebook. You know, I mean, let's just start there. I mean, you right. know, uh, well, that's that's the thing, right? So this is a you know, this is a big part of the book, right? And what what yeah. I often say to people is that you and I, um, you know, it's often difficult for us to agree on, you know, what is what is true and what is not, right? Um, it's difficult for us to agree on what is hate speech and what is not. Um, and if we can't agree, how do we build a system that does that, right? Uh, it's so, you know, Mark Zuckerberg can sit before Congress and say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to deal with the hate speech problem or the fake news problem with AI. Um, you know, that that is an entirely different task and, and a, a task that is more difficult than people think because, you know, you can't even define the problem. Right. Um, just because we humans uh, cannot agree on such things. Yeah, I, I think the other comment that I, that I like to make to my students on this is that we're all different. Vive la différence. It's a good thing. You know, diversity is fundamentally great. Yeah. It just means that we're coming at things from different perspectives and i know jan talks about you know we all have world views what the heck's our world view i guess since inception you know some stuff has gone in and however this thing works has gotten stuff and and whenever i think whenever we do anything we sort of reflect it against that world view but but because we've 
I'll perceive different. It's all going to be different. Beautiful. Right. But we have to realize that, you know, that God, she defines truth, I guess. <laughs> you know, I guess. I, I don't know. Or you know, we, And we don't want to get into religion, please. I mean, <laughs> but whatever. But yeah. Ken, did you want to jump in here? Uh, no, I just I was thinking, though, as I was ordering your book while you were talking about your book, I, I'm going to listen to it on Audible uh, as soon as I finish the Ethereum book, which you mentioned Ethereum. Uh, that's also another good one about the history of Ethereum. But um, one of the things that just struck me going back to the earlier part of the conversation is we're living that vision of what people are talking about 25 years ago. Here we're on a, a, a Zoom call interconnected. I'm ordering a book that you're talking about. So it, we got here and it wasn't necessarily this linear path. And I kind of feel we're back, you know, with the self-driving or the driverless future. It's kind of that thing, right? There'll be something there, but how we get there is going to be kind of a rocky road probably. That's a really good point, right? It takes a long time and we may have this idea of where things are going to go. It's not necessarily going to play out that way. Um, and uh, you see this time and again, you know, even with, with, with technology that's powerful, it's rapidly improving. Um, you know, it can take a while to really get it out into the real world. And we've seen examples recently where things can happen very quickly in the digital world, right? On, on the internet you know, with a smartphone app. Um, but that's very different than the physical world. Um, dealing with that chaos, like I said, is an entirely different prospect. Um, and people need to remember that when you sort of apply that thinking from the internet world to the physical world. It's not that easy leap that it might seem to be. How, how do we address that one? I mean, you, I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, the, the well, maybe we'll learn over time. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll learn over time because, maybe, yeah, you know, we're starting to see, um, like I said, in my story in the times this week, the industry start to, to talk about this in a more realistic way. Um, there, there are other industries that I'm starting to cover. There's this effort to build, you know, what they call flying cars, you're essentially electric vehicles, they can do vertical takeoff and landing. There's starting to be this hype around, around that area. And, um, you know, maybe as we keep getting into these, these areas that, that, that do have to deal with the physical world, that we're slowly going to realize this is a different prospect. Terrific. Well, we want to thank our, our guests, uh, Ken Pyle and Cade Metz. Cade's new book, once again, is Genius Makers, the Mavericks who brought AI to Google, Facebook, and the world. Thank you, Cade. Thank you, Ken. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Really great having you. Our pleasure. And, and keep doing what you're doing. And, and uh, please, because uh, you make a difference. You know. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. And more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us once again at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts. Get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please stay safe. Thank you.